This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And again, I will be continually teaching on the birth of Jesus, the Christ, the Redeemer of mankind. And as an opening statement, again, we're focusing on this topic and this teaching, you know, on assignment that we are on as ministers, as teachers, around this holiday season or this Christmas season, however you may want to put it. But understand that, again, Christmas is a, is a, is a Christian holiday to honor, to celebrate the birth of Jesus the Christ. And we know what has now become, right? It's more of a season overshadowed by materialistic views and customs. But understand where its origin is, right? And so that's what we're really talking about. And I heard Minister mention something this morning again about the time, why we do December 25th and in the winter months. And, and we understand if you go back and search it out, you know, the Lord Jesus wasn't born in the winter months. But, but again, that's the time that we have set aside. And so, so again, don't get caught up with those things. Understand why you're celebrating this time. Right? Understand that. And so there's nothing wrong, again, when we talk about this, by you giving gifts, right? Putting up your trees, your lights during this time, right? And, you know, me and my wife was talking about, we rode through our little neighborhood, and it seemed like more people had their lights up early, right? And, and we're like, wow, they started early, right? And it's, but it's just amazing. People have their stuff already up, you know, decorations already up. But again, while you're doing all those things, make sure you give honor to God for the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the objective that I have for my portion of teaching is we're going to discuss Matthew chapter 1, which we did last time, and we're going to look at this, this time, Luke chapter 1, in reference to the birth of Jesus Christ, and looking at the life of Joseph and Mary, and how the Messianic promises have been fulfilled. And God does everything in decency and order. He's orchestrated all these things that happen at a certain time and a certain place. You know, and, and what I mean by that, you know, Christ came, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus was born, excuse me, we say Christ always existed, but Jesus was born at a certain time. He came to this earth at a certain time. It wasn't by accident why he showed up when he showed up. Right? And, and I think that's so important because you're here at a certain time. And that's based on God's purpose and his order as well. Right? You have been brought into the kingdom or you've been brought to this earth at a particular time. And that's all based on God's purpose. See, don't, don't get caught up with how, you know, you look at times that, you know, I wish I would have been born in the time when Jesus walked there. No, you don't. No, you, you are born in the time that you need to be born. Right? And take advantage of that time because God has a purpose for you in this time and season of your life now. You know, again, that's why I'm, I am so thankful. I, I understand why God has brought me here on this earth at this time. How, how I grew up, how I was raised, from what, thinking back to my parents and, and my, 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 my grandparents and, and the, the places that we lived and, and how I grew up and how my parents were. And I'm like, God, you, you arranged all this for this time. You know, in other words, God has put me at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things. I thank God for that. That was his order. Now, all these time, all decisions, I had a choice. Could have made different choices, but God has placed me here at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things for his purpose. See, we're going to stay in God's order. Are you in Isaiah chapter 9? 
we're going to read verse 6, just the A part of it. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And so we began to run on this passage of Scripture in the sense that the first question is, who gave the son? They said a child was born, but the son, he was given. And then we talked about last time how God gave his only begotten son. To do what? To redeem mankind. And we spent time uh, searching it out. How God gave his only begotten son to redeem mankind. And that, and that redemption was, came forth through the incarnation. And the incarnation is God the son putting on flesh to become a man. Again, for the sole purpose of redeeming mankind. See, understand why Jesus was born here on this earth at, this, at that time. It was all about redemption. You know, he didn't come to get married. He didn't come to have children. See, catch that. God had purpose when he brought forth Jesus. Again, Christ always existed, right? But the birth of Jesus came at a certain time to redeem mankind. It was time for man to be redeemed. It was time for fulfilling of all the prophetic messianic prophecies at that time about his birth. And you, know, you think about how God did, you know, God, because you think, well, why God didn't bring, you know, Jesus along before them? Because God laid, you know, he let crumbs, like the breadcrumbs, was that Hansel and Gretel, whatever it is. He let breadcrumbs throughout the Bible so you know when the Messiah comes. Because anybody can claim to be the Messiah. We have people nowadays claiming to be the Messiah, right? But God said, no, I'm going to show you who the Messiah is, but you got to know. You got to search it out through my word and you'll see. The prophecies will be fulfilled and that individual is the Messiah. He is the incarnation. So God, see, he's doing a thing on order. You know, in other words, God's not behind. He's not ahead. He, he's, he, like I said, he's right on time. Always consistent. And so we see the incarnation of, of God putting on flesh and becoming a man, again, for the sole purpose of redeeming mankind. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because the Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whosoever shall believe in him shall be saved. That's why we celebrate. Again, we celebrate the Christmas. Like I said, we should celebrate this all the time. But make sure we don't forget about that even during the Christmas times. That's what it's about. Our Redeemer lives. So Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of all the Messianic prophecies. Again, Jesus, he's the Redeemer of mankind. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He is both God and man. He identifies with deity and humanity. And, I, and I'll say this and I'll say this again. He's the only individual that has that distinction. You are not deity. Well, you know, we can search out humanity, but where can we search out your deity? Where, where can we link you to a deity? Right? Oh, when I'm born again. Well, now you're linked in with Christ. He's deity. You found in him. He's the deity one. He is the God. Right? But, but you, you're just human. See, don't miss these things. He's in that position alone. And his birth signifies him being both man and God. And again, he came to redeem mankind. And we said the word redeem means to, to buy back or to purchase. And then we talked about, well, why does man need to be redeemed? Because all men have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. It's because of sin. And then we looked at Adam and, and we looked in Genesis and how Adam committed his transgression. How he disobeyed God's commandment. And then sin nature was passed upon all mankind, for all have sinned. Now, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, because after Adam sinned, then God made this 
<coughs> proclamation of this promise. And I like how God says things and he speaks things to the enemy. He says things specifically to the devil. You know, I, I, you know, I love how God operates, I'm telling you. He, God is a, when we say God, he's a just God. And you know, some Satan knows he's a just God. Satan knows his day is coming. He's a defeated foe. So Genesis 3, verse, <clears throat> verses 15, it says, And I will put enmity between thee and, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall be bruised, and, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And he makes a statement about her seed. And that statement about her seed bruising his heel is talking about the seed of the woman. And here's the thing, when God made the statement, this alone speaks to the unique birth of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. It talks of his uniqueness because women don't have seed. So how is a child going to be born without the aid of a man? That's impossible. Unless it's performed by who? God. God is already speaking to the miracle. So now can you imagine Satan through all, through all generations trying to figure out who's going to be the one? Because the specific one has got to be born without the aid of a man. That's going to bruise his head. That's going to redeem us. It's going to pay the price. That is a specific offspring that was coming down the lineage of David. And God had proclaimed that ahead of time. And so then from, from there we, we went and looked at that Matthew. And we'll go to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Because it talks about the birth of Jesus the Christ. Because we're going to see how this miracle birth was performed. See, I'm going to tell you, that's why I said... Be careful what you talk about, you know, make things about yourself, right? You're not deity. I keep saying it, right? You're not. You're not God. You know, a lot of us, you know, we can't even trace our heritage back just a few generations. Let alone all the way back, right? You know, you can't. Come on. You know how families are, right? If you ask someone, they say, well, you know, your great, great, great granddaddy may or may not have been your great, great, great granddaddy. May have been somebody else. I'm gonna tell you, you know, hey, it is what it is. And you come on, you deity. Conduct yourself like like you really are. So no, it's the grace of God. It's through Christ Jesus that we've been redeemed, not you. So it says. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen. Again, we're gonna read through this. Again, this is where it talks about the birth of Jesus Christ and really giving the perspective from Joseph. Verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph. You know, it's hard to read these things without saying statements again, right? Because again, it says, when as his mother, Mary. Now, Mary is the mother of Jesus. She is not the mother of Christ. Understand, Christ always existed. Understand that, right? That's why I'm saying, you know, that's a whole other reason saying that Mary is the mother of God. Mary is not deity. I know for some people that's sacrilege. I'm sorry. I'm just with the scripture. Mary is not deity. But she is the mother of Jesus. Who is Christ? But she is not the mother of Christ. Let me go on. So we talked about that last night. Right? I'll get pulled into that. Now the, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph 
before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, the Bible has a very, you know, especially King James has a very particular language it says. In it, but it, it, the language it gives, it gives very clear, good clarification, right? It says that Mary was espoused, right? And we've talked about that word espoused. We went through the whole patriarchal process of what that means uh, to Joseph. And it says before they came together now. You know what I mean? Before they came together, before they had sexual relations, she was found with a child. And the child was of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's the birth of Jesus Christ on this wise. You, you weren't born that way. Like I said, we can trace your daddy and your mama. Even though your, your daddy and mama may, understand, may not know who it is, still there's a daddy and mama involved. That's how you were here. All right, but uh, Jesus Christ, his birth was on this wise. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then, verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take into, unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, Savior. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Right? And so we covered that last time, and you see this is from perspective of Joseph. And I, and I tell you, there's so much in this uh, really speaks to me about Joseph, the kind of, when he says he's a just man, he was a just man. You know, what I mean by just, this is, this is a just man. I can hear from God and obey. That's a just man. I can hear from God and I can obey. Guess what? I don't need no confirmation. I don't got to go ask nobody else. I ain't got to go, because go, I don't want to do it, right? That's one time we need confirmation with something we want to do. But he was a just man. I heard from God and I obeyed. And you notice in this passage of Scripture, it says, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to, to Joseph in a dream. It never even, the angel of the Lord never even said what their, what their name was. And we're going to see this in Mary because the angel of the Lord declared who his name was. It didn't give a name. And I like that about Joseph. Joseph said, you ain't got to tell me what your name is. You, you're an angel of the Lord. I've heard from God and I'm going to obey. That's a just man. See, God knows, hey, God knows what he's doing. God chose Joseph on purpose. See, that's what I'm saying. Don't say, oh, I would, I would love them. I could have did what Joseph did. No, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have been a just man. Right? Through that whole betrothal process we talked about last time, and you find out that woman is with child already, like, I'm done. I'm not going to be just. I'm going to be righteous on myself and put her away. Not privately, openly. It's, we're going to go at it. See, that's why you're not Joseph. He was a just man. He heard from God and obeyed. Now, let's turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Because that was Joseph's perspective. Now we're going to look at Mary's side. 
Luke chapter 1. Let me get there. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. And again, you, you know, just see how God works, right? You know, God is so good. He, he spoke to both Mary and Joseph. Now, what order he did, I mean, that, you, you, can, you can argue that as much as you want, right? Did he speak to Joseph first or did he come to Mary first? He came, this, get this, what matters, he came to both of them. Why is that important? Right? Because you know how God, God is all about unity, agreement. And what he's doing. And here's what I mean by that. God is all about giving you an opportunity to choose him. You know, when, when, when the angel Lord came to Joseph, Joseph had a chance, he had a choice to make. He could have he chose something else. When the angel comes to Mary, Mary has a choice to make. What does that mean? God is not forcing you to do anything. Don't, hey, don't sit and say, God, for, God is not forcing you to do nothing. He's giving you a choice. And he's telling you how to choose, but you still have an opportunity to choose. God will close the loop. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel, Gabriel, here we go, now we have Gabriel, was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we see now the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And so, you hear the context, right? You have the angel of God, named Gabriel, sent to this virgin. Her name was Mary. And this virgin was espoused. And again, like I said, we don't get into that betrothal process, but she, she was betrothed or exposed to Joseph. And Joseph was of the lineage in the house of David. And, and I, I like this because he got, it's so specific, right? It's not just any Mary. It's not any Joseph. It's specific Mary, specific Joseph. And the angel was told exactly who to go to. And verse 28, then, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, let's look at this, right? The angel came unto her, Mary. And he said, the first word he said to Mary was, hell. Now, what does hell mean? Hell means rejoice. But here's the thing. There's a reason why I should rejoice. You know, we, we say rejoice like we just pass it. Hey, hey, I got a new job today. Rejoice. No, that's not what he's talking about. Oh, I got married today. Let's rejoice. No, there's a different reason why I'm rejoicing. When he said hell, he's talking about rejoicing because you're about to experience God's grace. When we rejoice, it's talking about the experience, the response to the grace of God. When we say let's rejoice, it's, it's our response to God's grace. See, don't miss it. It's all about God. Remember, the angel of the Lord was sent by God. That's what the angel of the Lord was sent by God. Guess what he's going to talk about? God. What God is doing. I mean, I'm saying that's a lesson in itself, right? We say we are messengers and sent by God. When we get to a place we got to go, we don't even talk about God. We talk about us or whatever our agenda is. But the angel of the Lord Gabriel talked about what God was doing. So when he said hell, he's talking about rejoice, Mary, your response, because you're about to experience the grace of God. 
He said, Hail, rejoice, thou that art highly favored. Now, what does this mean by being highly favored? He's talking about highly favored. He's talking about the extending of God's grace to you. And you being receptive to receive God's grace. See, you being highly favored is because God has extended his grace to you. Please don't miss this. Right? Because, you know, we, we walk around and say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Really? Has, have you received God's grace extended to you? Then why are you walking around talking about you blessed and highly favored? Receive God's grace. It's about God's grace. It's not about you. Because when you say, some people say those things, they're trying to put themselves on a, on a pedestal like there's something else that they're not. Again, you're not deity. It's because of God's grace that you're highly favored. It's been extended to you. And you're able to receive it. So that's why you say rejoice. You're about to experience God's grace. God's grace has been extended to you. And now, and now you, you have embraced it, Mary. And then he said, the Lord is with thee. See, it's all about the Lord. The angel Lord is telling Mary, the Lord is with thee. That's why we're rejoicing. That's why you're about to experience the God's grace. The Lord is with thee. See, don't miss these things. God's presence is among you. The Lord is with you. That's why you should rejoice. You know, what what I mean by that? You know, I'm not waiting for something to happen externally for me to rejoice. The Lord, His grace, is, is He's with me. That means all my days I can rejoice because the Lord is with me. No matter if I have a job or don't have a job, I have money, whatever situation I have in my life, I can still rejoice because God, the Lord, is with me. That's the reason why I rejoice. I experience God's grace. So the Lord is with me. Then he says, blessed art thou among women. Now, when this word blessed, when he says that she's blessed, he says it means to speak well of. And I heard Minister Hill mention this this morning. Speak well of. Right? And why am I speaking well of Why am I speaking well of you? Because God's grace is upon your life. See, watch when you say, oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because of God's grace is upon my life. I can speak well of you because God's grace is upon my life. See, I hope you understand what the common denominator is. It's God. It's God's grace is where I can be blessed. It's God's grace that you find favor. It's God's grace that we can say rejoice. It's not about Mary. It's about God and what He is doing. And it's the same thing in our life. It is not about you. It's about God's grace upon your life. That's the ability to give you everything you need to do in, in order to fulfill God's purpose. And you think it's about you. Really? You're just God's vessel. God's waiting for you to respond to His grace. Instead of us walking around saying we're blessed and highly favored. And we have yet to respond to the grace of God. We can't speak well of you because we don't see God's grace upon you. So again, this, this angel of the Lord came unto her saying, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to go somewhere else with this because it was interesting just, just looking like, okay, Lord, was this statement made about any other woman? Was any other woman, you know, saying that she was blessed, right, among women? I was curious, Right? Now, let's turn with me to Judges, chapter 5. Did you find one? We'll see. 
Let's see if he said this about anybody else. Judges chapter 5. Because I want you to understand what it means to be blessed. This being spoken, spoken well of because of God's grace upon you. Judges chapter 5. Judges 5, starting in verse 24. Judges 5 and 24. It says, Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. Now, I'm like, okay, now all of a sudden, like, who is Jael? Right? What is this Canaanite? And why is she called blessed above women in the tent? What has she done that she is now considered blessed, spoken well of? And this was the time of, of Deborah, the time of her being the judge. And, it, and it's interesting to me. So, so looking at this word, first of all, when it says Canaanite, it says she was a wife of Heber, the Canaanite. Canaanite is a descendant of Jethro. Who is Jephro? Jephro is Moses' father-in-law. So now we have a woman who is a descendant of Moses' father-in-law, Jephro. And that the Canaanites were known to stand by the Israelites. Now, if you understand the story, obviously, of Moses and Zippor and, and, and you know, the wife that, that Jephro gave to Moses and, and understand what he was, he stood by the Israelites. And it's amazing how that, that carried on throughout, the, throughout their lineage. How the Canaanites stand, stood behind the Israelites. They fought with them. They, they supported the Israelites. And here was this woman now that God has called out and said she's blessed among women. So let's see what she did. Blessed above women, verse 24, shall Jael, the wife of Heber, the Canaanite be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. He asked water. And she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer. And with the hammer, she smote Sisera. And she smote off his head. And when she had pierced and stricken through his temples, at her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay down. At her feet he bowed, he fell. Where he bowed, there he fell down, dead. Now, you're like, man, why is this woman blessed with killing somebody? Yeah. Cassius is all about God's purpose and his plan. It's amazing how this woman was cunning and, and strategic to take out the enemies of Israel. Caesarea was a Canaanite uh, governor, commander of the army. They were, they, it was, they were, there was a Canaanite that came against Israel. And they were trying to come, come away to figure out how to defeat this individual. But this woman, she worked out a strategy. She told them, and you can read all of, of Judges, Judges chapter 4, you know, you read all about it. I know, I know it piques your interest now. We've got to read about this sister. Exactly. Go read about the sister, J.L. Right? Because she baited him to come stay in the tent. Right? Because you know how we are when we think about women. Yeah, I'm not scared of no woman. Yeah. You've ever scared of a woman that's based on God's purpose? 
It's God's order. You know, here's the thing that got me. It's amazing how God can use a woman to fulfill his purpose. I'll say that again for some of you brothers. It's amazing how God can use a woman to fulfill his purpose. Because what she did, you think a man would do. She did it. And it says here that he asked for water. This is Caesarea, the commandment. He asked for water, but, you know, she was cunning. She gave him milk. Brought forth butter in a lordly dish. Right? Why did she give him milk instead of water? Because she wanted him to sleep. See, women, hey. <laughs> women that are on purpose, they know what they're doing. <laughs> you better think about this, brothers. You ask your wife for a glass of water, she brings you some milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> she wants you to sleep. Why? Hey. You know, <laughs> they know how to get to you to, to lay down and go into deep sleep, right? Because she had plans for him. But it's Connie's craftiness. You know, it's like, well, what does this got to do with Mary? Because being blessed, being spoken highly of, is based on you being on about the purpose of God. I, I want you to see, the thing. I, well, reason why I went to this past scripture, because I want you to see the same way spoken about Mary can be spoken about you. Based on what God said, I'm not Mary. You're, you didn't have the same purpose that Mary had, but you have the same purpose of following after God. Catch that. Yeah, Mary was a mother of Jesus, but... God has given you a purpose and plan to do in your life. And are you following after him? Where we see this woman, she followed after God. So that's why she put her hand to the nail after he went to sleep. Right? Her right hand and the workman's hammer. I mean, this woman was crafty. Smote this man, smote this man that his head went off. I mean, that's deep. I mean, you hit him pretty hard. With a hammer and a nail? Like, I want to see what this woman look like, right? Here we go. You know that was God. To defeat the enemies of Israel. Now, you know, like God sent a woman to do a man's work. Why? Because what woman got it done? I, I know you got Let's go back. I'm sorry. Let's go back to Luke 1. You ain't ready for that. I mean, you, I'm sorry. Luke 1. Just strike that last 10 minutes from the record. That's That's... Luke chapter 1. Let's go back to Luke. I understand. <laughs> we start talking about women like, let's get back to Mary. The mother of God. Yes, exactly. The mother of God. Really? Please. Mary's not the mother of God. She's just on purpose for the plan of God. Just like we see Jael was on a purpose and plan of God. Alright, so verse 28 it says again, Hail thou, um, and the angel came unto her, and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So now we hear what Mary's response is. Very interesting. She was troubled at his salutation. What do you mean salutation? When he said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, she was troubled by that. Why? Because you know what? Mary was not looking for any praise. Oh, catch this with Mary. We're going to learn from the real Mary. She was not looking for any praise. She wasn't like, oh, yeah, of course you can't talk to me. I'm Mary. Hey, yeah, that's right. I I'm that. She didn't have an, an entitlement attitude when it came to the purpose of God. So she was confused. 
trouble. Like, why are you greeting me like that? Like, in other words, Mary, like, I know who I am. Why you come visit me and give me that kind of salutation? So she didn't have that attitude of already feeling like she was blessed and highly favored. Like some of us have when God says things to us and, and we come to him like, oh, yeah, of course it's me. It can only be me. You know, God can use whoever he wants to use right, for his purpose. He's looking for a willing be, uh, a, a vessel. But the willing vessel, don't be conceited. Stay humble. That's what I love here about seeing Mary and her response. So when she saw him again, she was troubled at his saying and cast her mind that manner of salutation this should be. And then the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Again, notice his confirmation again. You found favor with God. You see that? You found favor with God. It's all about God, Mary. The reason why I'm here as an angel is because of about God. And you found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive, verse 31, and, uh, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So now here the angel starts giving Mary instructions about what she's going to do. Because what? She's found favor with God. I thank you. Some of you missing it. Because someone said, I got favor with God. What, what did God tell you to do there? Where, what instructions has God given you since you said, I found favor with God? In doing what? In doing what you want to do? That, that's not God's favor. To get things accomplished what you want to do. God's favor pertains to his plan and his purpose. When you said you found favor with God, it's for his plan. It's for his purpose. Not yours. Because, you know, we'll get a promotion on our job and say, well, I found favor with God. But how is that promotion on your job fits into God's purpose? When you're missing more work, more time, I mean, missing more time at, at church, more t- you know, you're missing more time with your family. But, but you're saying, oh, that was God's favor. That's just what you wanted. What it said, all, all you know, new money ain't good money. It, it ain't about the dollar. For your life it is, but for what God's plan is not about money at all. So it said, again, she found favor with God, and then she, again, he started telling her about what's going to happen. She shall conceive, I'm sorry, she shall conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. You notice everything that the angel is telling Mary is about the son that's going to be born. Get this, it's amazing. God's telling her about a son. God is not even talking to her about her. It's about the son. And here's his name. Here's who he is. Preparing you, Mary, for what's about to transpire in your life. Pertaining to, that's what I mean by hell. I need to rejoice because God has visited me. And I like how he said that he shall be great. Now, and I, I just want to spend a little time because he said he shall be great, right? You know who is great? The Lord is great. Now, we say we're great. You are not great. God is the greatest. The Lord is the greatest. And when we say great, great is not a reference to a stature or your physical appearance. 
It's talking about ability and power. God is great alone. You know, I would say God is doing a great work. You notice that God is doing a great work. It's not about us. It's about God. He alone is great. And so now here it is. This angel is telling Mary that this child is deity. He shall be great. And I know she's thinking, well, because she knows who she is. How am I going to bring forth a son that's going to be great? And he shall be called the son of the highest. Now, I love this. Now, the angel is telling her exactly who this child is. He should be called the son of the highest. Who is the highest? God is. No, I mean, again, we're talking about the virgin birth and how God, the angel is telling Mary that what you're going to, what, the, the child that's in your womb is deity. And I'm going to tell you, I, again, I don't know how Mary took grasp of that, understood. But the child that's going to be conceived in your room is deity. He's the son of the highest. He's God. See, glory to God, what? In the highest. See, God alone is in the highest. We're not in that, that realm at all. See, when we talk about going back to great, there's no comparison to us to greatness. Again, he alone is great. Stop walking around saying, you know, what is it, the goat, the greatest of all time? There's no goat around here. Oh, we, we speak in sports terms. Stop using these terms in sports terms. Because you, you relate somebody being great to a sports term, and then you start putting them on a pedestal they should not be on. And then you see their lifestyle outside of their sporting event, you're like, oh, there's nothing great about that person at all. They need Jesus. Just like I needed Jesus. See, we throw out these words like great, but great alone is for God. He is great. And he shall be called the son of the highest. That means there's none higher than him. He is the, the highest means the most high God. He's the most high. So that means here, Jesus is the son of the most high God. And the angel told this to Mary. And I, I like this because it let Mary know exactly what you're getting into. You know, it wasn't like a bait and switch, right? Mary knew exactly. Once she agreed to this, she knew exactly what's going to happen now. What she was going to give birth to. And it says, and, and it says, and he shall, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now she's telling him another prophecy, right? About his father, David. And again, she's from, Mary's from the lineage of David. So she knew exactly who he was talking about. That was fulfilling of a messianic prophecy. Another one, right? So turn with me to Psalms 132. Because I want you to see, that's how come God has orchestrated this thing over time, over years, for a particular time to come to pass. So that all these prophecies can be fulfilled so we know exactly who is the Messiah. Psalms 132. God is so good. See, Jesus alone, he is in that role. We are not the Messiah. We are not deity. We are not God. We're not the son of the, of the highest. Again, how you, how, you know, I hear we say, okay, we're the children of the most high. And, and, oh, that's, that's in scripture. Well, how do you become children of the most high? In him. See, I don't know how we can say we're children of the most high, but we leave out Jesus. 
then you're not the children of the Most High. If you're not born again, if you're not born in, in Him, you, then, then how are you the son of the Most Highest? Or the child of the uh, children of the Most High? You're not. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ as your Lord. But we throw out terms like we're something that we are not. He alone is in this role. Psalms 132. Look at this in verse, let me get there, verse 11. It says, The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. So that is his promise to David. That the fruit of your body will be set upon the throne forever. Now we'll go back to Luke chapter 1. So again, this is the fulfilling of that prophecy. That this child now being born into us a son is given is going to fulfill being ruling and reigning on the throne of David. Verse 33, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom shall be no end. You see this, right? Jesus shall reign on, over the house of, of Jacob forever. And his kingdom shall be no end. There's no end to his kingdom. What I mean by that, we're not looking for another kingdom. We're not looking for another king. He alone is king. To understand about the this is why we call him Lord. That's why we call him Savior. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. See, Jesus alone has that title by himself. His kingdom shall not end. Now we get to verse 34. Now Mary, here's her response. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not? Amen. Now, and here's the thing that gets me, right? When I, and you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard for me to step back and look at these times because I'm like, Mary, did you hear anything that this angel just said to you? But then I think about myself, right? Because here's the thing, right? She's asking how when the angel just told her this child is deity. But now she go back and said, how? And in other words, how can I have a child when I have not been with a man? But the child you're going to have is deity. You're missing that, right? How can I have a child when I haven't been with a man? But the child that you're going to have is deity. It's going to be God. How are you going to do that? See, in other words, she, recognized, she did not recognize the power of God. If I'm going to give birth to Jesus, who is going to be the Christ, who is the Christ, then that must tell me something about God. God has, hey, he has visited me. So, in other words, it's not about me having the aid of a man. What God is going to do, he's going to do it. Because what I mean by it, it's all a miracle. See, we, we get so concerned about how things are going to happen instead of being concerned about what God has said. Because that's how we are. Like, well, God, hey, I hear what you said, Lord, but, but how are you going to do it? God, like, I'm God. You just obey. You just obey. Let me be who I am, God. Because we want to know the details. How? And God's like, by me just visiting you should let you know that I'm God. Stay with my order. Stay with my commandments. Stop getting caught up with the how in your life. Learn that. 
Because we see things happen to us and we're like, Lord, how, how? God's like, just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But if we don't know the details, it's hard for us to believe. No, you, you should believe without the details. Understand this about God. God don't have to give you no details. God's not obligated to give you details about how he's going to get things done. All he's telling you to do is what he wants you to do. Obey. That's what makes him God. That's what makes him, the, Jesus, the son of the most high God. So when Mary's response about, well, I don't know a man and how this is going to happen, doesn't let God be God? And so now verse 35 says, The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, when he said that to her, I'm going to tell you what, she still don't know how it's going to happen. See, that's amazing. You, God will just tell me. God tell you, like, you, you, she can't comprehend that. Why? Because this has not been done before. See, catch this, why, you know, you all want details about God. God's like, you can't, you don't have a revelation of that. Again, they said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, okay? And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Uh, Okay. And therefore also the holy thing, the holy thing, the holy one, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Okay, and then he went to verse 36. I like how the angels say, I'm just done with this conversation. <laughs> and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. You know, I like, this is how God, let me just give you an example. Uh, the angel like, let me forget about trying to explain this because you don't, you don't have a mind to understand what's going to happen to you. But you can understand what happened to your, your cousin Elizabeth, who you knew was barren. But guess what? She has a child. <laughs> it's amazing how God will show you, give you comparisons to help, help you understand what he is doing. You know, God will put you in position to see things like, oh, that is, that's, that's God. To show you now that they encourage you to walk with God. There's encouragement to all of us. A lot. God will put encouragement to you to walk with him. Instead of giving you details, he will give you encouragement to obey. Because I'm going to tell you, 35, you can't explain that. You can't, let me say it different. You can read it, but understand how. Where's the how? And this is where a lot of of non-Christians get lost at. How can a, a virgin give birth to a child without the aid of a man? God. That's how. And you believe that? Yes. That's why he is a Savior. That's why he is Jesus the Christ. The Anointed One. The Messiah. And no other man can give disclaims at all. And that's what I believe. Uh, Verse 36 again. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she shall also conceive a son in her old age. In this sixth month with her, who was called bearing. I mean, who, yeah, who was called bearing. And then he said, verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What do you mean by nothing is impossible with God? When, it, when it's according to God's purpose, nothing shall be impossible. That's why we, I stay with God's purpose. Because when I'm in God's purpose, nothing shall be impossible. 
Whatever God has called me to do in His purpose, it shall be done. Because with God, nothing shall be impossible. But how, God? Nothing shall be impossible. And then verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid, handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know, Mary couldn't explain it. She said, Okay, I got it. This, whatever you said, be it unto me. You don't under, Mary don't understand that. The Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And the Holy Thing will be born of you. You're going to be called the Son of God. Whatever you said, let it be upon me. Don't understand it. Because in her mind, i got to have a man to be able to be, get pregnant with a child. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. But still, Mary still accepted it. She embraced it. Right? And, and then, now it's amazing to me. Now you may understand why the, what Mary did next, right? Because now she understood, wait a minute. This thing, this is what the angels spoke to me. Let me go see this Elizabeth. That's why she rose up and Mary rose in those days and went unto the hill country with haste unto the city of Judah and entered into the house of who? Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Why? Because she needed to be encouraged. She said, yeah, but she's like, wait a minute. I need to see this for myself. Now, jump down to verse 46. Because after Mary had visited Elizabeth, now let's see what Mary says. I love this about Mary in this passage here. It said, and Mary said, verse 46, Luke 1. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. What does magnify mean? Magnify means to declare great. See, now my soul magnifies the Lord. See, Mary now understands it's all about God, Mary. And on my soul, I'm going to declare His greatness. Remember how the child should be great. The Lord is great. We're going to glorify God in the highest. My soul now shall magnify the Lord. She's declaring, declaring the Lord as being great. Then she says, My spirit have rejoiced in God my Savior. She knows her tune. I mean, it's amazing, this, 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 this song of praise that Mary is having now. And at the time when the angel spoke to her, she wasn't there yet. But now she is. What does that tell you? We can grow. You know, God can say things to us at a time. Trust me, you don't understand it. But just stay obedient. And then in time, you'll say, my soul does magnify the Lord. When you see God's purpose being fulfilled, like, oh, God, you had your hand upon me all the time. Because again, the angel said, God is with you. But now you experience and see it all of a sudden. You're like, oh, my soul does magnify the Lord. At the time, I couldn't understand it, but now I see. My spirit can rejoice in God, my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall, be, shall call me blessed. And what I mean by call me blessed? Don't get caught up, right? This is going to speak highly of me because of God's grace upon me. That's why they're going to, that's what we mean by calling her blessed. They're going to speak highly of Mary because of God's grace. They're going to speak highly of Mary because of God's grace. Not Mary, but because of God's grace upon her. From generations to come. 
But you notice what Mary called herself? Somebody of low estate. She was humble. Think about this. Even after the things were said to her, you know, she could have got, I mean, she could have the big head, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm Mary the, 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 the virgin, right? I'm going to give birth to the son of the highest. Look at me. You better recognize, baby. You better recognize this. No. She stayed of low estate. Why we say that? Because, you know, God gives you one message and all of a sudden you think you're the, you know. God uses you one time to get one person saved and all of a sudden you think, oh, God, without me. He broke the mold with me. No, he didn't. He didn't break the mold with you. But she stay humble. Stay in a place of humility. Be thankful to God that his grace is upon your life. Again, for he regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. You know, again, that, something is hard to get back. Oh, you know, it's amazing how, who God chooses. It's so amazing to me. You know why that hits home? Because, like I said, I remember where I was. I, I, remember, I remember who I was. You know, they, they had a, you know, like you have high, you know, I don't know if they do these things in high school now, but I remember in high school, back when I was in high school, they had the end of the year, they had most likely to succeed, you know, they had categories for people, right? Best dress. I know y'all don't do that no more. Whatever y'all do now. That category most likely to succeed. You know, that kind of thing, right? And, 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 and you know, so I, I thought about myself, hey, if I was, if they had a category for the most likely not to get saved, it was me. I was in that category. I wasn't hearing nothing about no Jesus when I was in no high school. And I heard people preach to me. No. Not even that. Especially not from you. Your walk. But I look to where I am today. And again, I'm saying where I am. Because of the grace of God, I am what I am. It's not about me. It's about God's grace upon my life. Of lower state. I'm telling you, that's why, again, I talk about me and my wife. You know, we went to high school together, and sometimes we see some of our old high school mates, and they say little stuff to us, and they're like, you, you say it? Are you preaching? Can't. They, they treat me like Paul, like, no, you, ah, no, you going, something wrong with that. I know you ain't preaching. All that mess you did? Some of Jesus is now your Lord. Really? Do you even know a scripture? You playing, right? Because that's not who I was. That's not who any of us was. Before the Lord, you were nothing. But don't forget that. And now where you are today, thinking you are something. It's because of God's grace. That I can magnify the Lord. Though of low self-esteem. I mean, low, not self-esteem, low esteem. So you wonder how come God's not using you yet? Oh, God, God, why isn't he using me? Humble yourself before the Lord. Stop thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Some of you is too proudful. Some of you are too boastful. I mean, the first thing out of your mouth is all the things that you're doing. Nobody want to hear about all your accolades. They can care less. Can you tell people about Jesus? Can you preach the gospel? Can you tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ alone who is the Savior? You know, again, we're preparing ourselves for the, the holiday season and you're talking about Christmas time. You know, when you go visit family, what are the first thing you're going to tell them about all the stuff that's happening to you in your life? 
Dad and Mom, I'm, the, I'm here now. Dad and Mom, I'm making this kind of money now. Dad and Mom. Can you tell Dad and Mom about Jesus and how Jesus has changed your life forever? Would that be the first thing out of your mouth? Dad, let me tell you, let me tell you about what the Lord has done in my life. How He has changed me. How I'm committed to the things of God. How, how I'm operating in ministry now. How I'm committed to the work of the ministry. How I'm supporting the things of God. How I'm about God's purpose. Can you tell your parents about that now? And your family members? Versus all your accolades about all the things you're doing. See, I, I like this. A lower state of his, of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty have done to me great things. And holy is his name. I mean, Mary is ministering here. I'm telling you. He said, for he that is mighty has done to me great things. Right. What is the great things he has done to it? Bring it forth the son. Again, I'm hoping it's not about Mary, about what God is doing. Understand that when it comes to your life. Understand we're talking about Christmas and celebration. It's about what God has done through Jesus Christ. Not about you. That's what God has done. He is doing a great work. He is one that's holy. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. You see who God has exalted. Those of low degree. Those that you thought nothing of. That's what God has exalted. He had filled the, the hungry with good things. Hallelujah. And the rich, he set empty away. He had hopped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. At this time, now Mary was ready. I mean, again, she has already accepted what God has said about her, what the angel has said about her. But now she, was, she prepared her heart. See, here's the thing about obedience, right? Just because you obey don't mean your heart is there yet. You know, we have to get our heart right. You know, we, since our, a lot of times we're waiting for our heart to be right before we can obey. No, you just obey. And then let your heart get right. Because you know, people say, well, no, my heart is not in it. That's why I'm not doing it. What? Can you just obey? We're not waiting for your heart to get right, because your heart might never get right for some of you. But just obey. Obey what God has commanded you to do and watch the change in your heart. Because why? Because you're going to see the faithfulness of God be fulfilled in your life. And then you have a song that says, My soul does glorify the Lord. My soul does magnify the Lord. I also rejoice in the Lord. In God, my Savior. See, this is what the birth of Jesus Christ is all about. My Redeemer lives. The Redeemer of mankind has come upon us. And Mary knew how to rejoice. And we should stay rejoicing. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at 
livingwateraustin.net.